Hello, SFFYA listeners. I'm Jen Northington, your regular co-host. As some of you might know, I also co-host the Get Booked podcast, which is a reading recommendation show. We get a lot of questions from fans of Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire. And in honor of the show's finale, we did an entire episode dedicated to read-alikes. We thought y'all might enjoy listening, so here it is. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 183, and we're recording on May 28th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm coming. To he- I'm here with Jen Northington, <laughs> and I'm coming to you from apparently the struggle bus again. <laughs> <laughs> no, JK, everything's cool. We're doing it. We're, yes, everything's good. It's post Memorial Day, which is always. I feel it's a it's a Monday Tuesday, so you know yes. things are. It's not really the struggle bus. It's just getting back into it. It's just Monday you know, Tuesday. That's all. Monday. It's Monday Tuesday. And it's Game of Thrones episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So as you all know, I mean, I don't know how you could have avoided it. <laughs> Game of Thrones is over. <laughs> uh, the show, not the book. The book is never happening. I'm just, we all know that, right? Like that book is never coming out. Okay. <laughs> You're going to get so many angry tweets. I don't care. It's not happening. It's not. He just, he just put something on it. Like there was an interview, I think, last week when the finale of the show came out. Um, where he was like, I promise if it's not out by August, 2020. And I was like, oh, he put like a deadline on it. But then if you read the rest of the interview, he says, then my fans can lock me in a cabin and I'll finish it. It's like, uh-huh. I see. Yeah. I see what's happening here. Don't at me. You're not getting the book, guys. You're, not <laughs> You're just not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, so since Game of Thrones is over, um, we have been getting a lot of, uh, questions about what to, to do next, like what people should read next, um, if they've already read all of the available books in the Game of Thrones series and want something that is, you know, has some of the same flavors as the show. So this episode is just going to be all Game of Thrones read-alikes all the time. So that's what we're doing. Um, usually how this show works is y'all email us your reading recommendation requests. You can email them to getbookedatbookride.com or you can drop them in the form at the bottom of the show notes on the site. And these can be for any um, recommendation requests that you need, whether they're for you or your book club or for a gift or whatever. Um, and we will answer them on the show. We do ask for your email address so that we can email you back if we aren't going to get to your question in time. Um, or if we've already answered it on the show. If your question is time sensitive, please make sure to note that in big letters in the subject line or in the first line of your um, request if you're using the form. Okay, we don't have any feedback this week, so I'm just going to get straight to our first sponsor, and then we are going to talk about Game of Thrones, Rita Like. But not for Wind of Winter, because that's never coming out. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it until everyone is just fine. <laughs> Amanda trolls the entire internet. <laughs> I just want people to moderate their expectations, y'all. Moderate uh-huh. your expectations. Okay. Our first sponsor. Oh, I'm so excited about this one. Our first sponsor is Rebel by Beverly Jenkins, who is a longtime Book Riot favorite. Rebel is the first novel in Beverly Jenkins' new series following a northern woman who goes south in the chaotic aftermath of the Civil War. Her, you know, if you've read any Beverly Jenkins, or even if you haven't, her historical romances are always really deep and emotional, steamy, and very rooted in real historical um, stories. So the main character's name is Valinda. She's got a mission in New Orleans to help the newly emancipated community survive and flourish, but then a bunch of 
Thugs destroy the school she set up and target her, so she runs for her life straight into the arms of Captain Drake Levesque, I love that name, who's an architect from an old New Orleans uh, family. And he has, so he has a personal interest in rebuilding the city. He recognizes Valinda's determination, can't stop admiring her, but then her father demands she return home to marry a man that she doesn't love, and she has to maybe title shout out rebel against <laughs> her father's wishes okay so that is rebel by beverly jenkins thank you for sponsoring the show and we don't need to resum up the question because it's just game of thrones so why don't you go first right. <laughs> okay um i've recommended this series before as a game of thrones read-alike and i will continue recommending it as a game of thrones read-alike because it really is such a close match although with less sexual violence which i appreciate it is the acacia series by david anthony durham and it is a more internationally flavored but otherwise very similar setup you've got a ruling family who uh there's a father and four children and he is has brought them up to believe in their position as royalty and also has hidden a lot of things about the way that this world works from them, including child slavery. Not great. So they don't know any of these things. They think he's the best, basically. He's not the best. Spoiler. But he's also not the worst. Like, he's just kind of a <laughs> he's 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 sort of classic person trapped in a situation and refusing to affect any change because he's afraid of what it might mean for him and his family. And then he gets assassinated and the kids get scattered to the four winds. And some of them end up in the hands of friendly rescuers and some of them do not. And so the series over the course of three books takes you on their paths apart and then back together to try to reclaim the family throne as it were. And they are sometimes fighting each other as well as their political opponents. There's tons of machinations. There's tons of double crosses. There's also some really amazing magic. A bunch of the story takes place in sort of a second world version of Africa. And there are these spirits that are called by the use of this sort of language, like special language. And they They've been thought to have been like lost. This is all thought to be mythic. But one of the kids discovers some secrets about it. And so does another one. But they're coming at it from different angles. And people die who are your favorites. And it just like it has so much in common in that regard with the Game of Thrones uh, Song of Ice and Fire series. And so I think that like if what you love about Game of Thrones is these different sort of young people struggling to figure out how their world works, how they're going to survive in it. What does that mean for like, do they have ideals? Are they just out for revenge? Like, are they just out for power? Like, what are they going to do with themselves? And then you get also all of these different opposing forces who are all have their own agendas and like how are they going to use these young people to further those agendas or not? So it, it does that so well. And it is, like I said, much more internationally flavored. You've got this huge world and, you know, all of these different cultures and 
and peoples and ethnicities and religions and magics and it's all coming together in this big kaleidoscope and it's really really enjoyable it is pretty violent there's like some cannibalism not great uh <laughs> but it doesn't cannibalism, have, not great it does, yeah, that's really show title <laughs> but it doesn't have nearly i it really has minimal sexual assault so if that's a thing that was too much for you in game of thrones which i confess it was often too much for me this is going to be a better series for you so again that's the acacia series the first book is called The War with the Mine, and it is by David Anthony Durham. Okay, I my first pick is, I'm just getting like the obvious classic out of the way. I picked Dune by Frank Herbert. Yeah. Which is a story about several houses of this dynastic um, universe battling it out, often in really uncomfortably sexual or violent ways, but in space. So there's space if you want Game of Thrones without dragons, plus spaceships. Also, it's one of those things where, like, who you think the main character is going to be in this book dies almost immediately, and then there are six more books. So, like, if that was a thing that you were kind of into <laughs> in Game of Thrones, where, like, you you immediately don't know what's going to happen or who's going to survive, Dune will definitely give you some of that. Um, also, I will trigger warning this with uh, child abuse, and it opens with torture. Like, page one, there's just... Just some torturing a kid. That's just what's going to happen. Um, and so the main character's name is Paul. I honestly don't know how much I have to explain to you of Dune, but just the, you know, 50,000 foot overview of the plot. It's about a young guy named Paul who is the heir to a house, house Atreides? I don't know if I've ever said that out loud. I usually say Atreides, but... Atreides, sure. I don't know. That sounds correct. And his family has been, you know, exists in this universe that's got an emperor and it's ruled by this one family and then you know, essentially an oligarchy, a bunch of other families that control the uh, economic and political machinations of the whole thing. And his family house at Atreides, I'll get it, um, have, have been like, not punished, kind of punished, have been given the assignment of going to Dune, Arrakis, uh, which is nicknamed Dune because it's like a desert planet, um, to watch over this planet. And the reason why it's important is because what they call the spice is created there by these big sandworms. Um, and spice is a substance, a drug that allows the people who pilot the interstellar spacecraft that keep the universe running, it allows them to see the past through the stars. So without the spice, the entire economy of this universe would completely collapse. Um, so it's really quite important. And all of the houses are constantly vying for uh, control over this planet and the spice. And so the book, the series of it's, it's, it's six books written by Frank Herbert and then a few more written by other people, including I'm pretty sure his son. It opens with the family, Paul's family, going to this planet. And then from there, it's just houses devolving and raising and falling and weird political intrigue and a lot of whose wife is that? Like, there's, there's also really interesting, uh, whose wife is that? There's also really interesting religious uh, setups, um, some of which are, like, there's an entire order of nun witches. They're so great. I love them so much. The Bene Gesserit, they're amazing. Um but yeah, it's like super multi-layered. And when when I read Game of Thrones, I had to very often reference like family trees, but not even family trees, but like what house is this again? You know, and I had to go back and try to keep it all straight. And I really like that kind of thing. Like I like doing a little bit of work when I'm reading um, really anything. And Dune was a lot like that for me. Um, so yeah, classic out of the way. Dune by Frank Herbert. Go forth. Oh, I should mention that this is heavy on the white saviorism. So if that's going to bug you, Maybe not the book for you, but if you can overlook it, I think it's worth it. So, yeah. 
Yeah, if you didn't pick it, I was going to pick it. On SFF, yeah, we did a whole book club episode about Dune with Asma Zahanak Khan, who's amazing and a huge diehard fan. So if you want more about that, I recommend it. We had fun talking about it. And we did some dream casting because they're making a movie again, which yes. is always a doomed operation. But who knows? Maybe this time it'll work out. Just from the start. Is this like the fourth one? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, And so, okay, so I also have a Game of Thrones in space pick. It is The Machine of Empire series, which starts with Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon-ha Lee. It is three books plus a collection of short stories that's coming out. And this one gets trigger warnings for coercion, rape, and body horror. Wee. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, this show was bound to be trigger warning heavy because Game of yep. Thrones, like right. all, of, <laughs> all of the triggers forever. But yes. So, okay. So you've heard me possibly talk about this before, but I really do feel like if the thing that you love about the Game of Thrones series, both show and books, is that nobody is a hero. Like, literally nobody does not make terrible decisions. Then this book is for you because everybody has a weird agenda and even the people who you're rooting for are sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm so conflicted about what you're doing right now. And it handles it in this really smart way because it knows, like the the books know how suspect and morally compromised its characters are and mm-hmm. don't sugarcoat it and just really put it all out there. Like this is a, this is the situation that this character is in. And this is what they're going to do. And you're like, oh, I care so much. And yet I wish I didn't care. And I feel so weird about how much I care about this. Like, that's (laughs) the feeling. Um, Plus, it's great. It's beautifully plotted. It is a complete trilogy. There's three. It's done. The story is mostly done. And with, with like some additions to the universe going on. But and I think it's yeah, it just is so satisfying. And it also dumps you into this really intense world building, which Game of Thrones does mm. as well. So it, mm-hmm. it starts out following a captain, a military captain, Kel Cheris, who is sent on what is basically a suicide mission to recapture this fortress that these heretics have taken over. And she makes a very heretical decision of her own in order to win the fight. And she knows that what she has done is outside of regulations and she's probably going to get executed for it. But like her job is to win the battle. So that's what she does. And so instead of getting beheaded, she gets sent on yet another impossible mission. There is more than just this one fortress under the control of the heretics. And so the ruling council, which does have basically houses who are all battling mm-hmm. with each other all the time. It's really great. I once took a quiz to see which one I would be in. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I did that. It was great. Um, but so, so they like call her in and are like, okay, so we actually have another job for you. You're going, we're going to put the like brain of an undead ghost tactician murderer guy into you. And the two of you are going to win this battle for us. And she's like, what? Uh, <laughs> and everything goes out from there. So it's it's just fascinating. And Jadao, who is this undead ghost tactician who like committed genocide, basically, uh, before he was put into a weird capsule that preserved him for all time. 
like he is is he mad did he have reasons what were his reasons and how exactly does this universe work because that's a huge part of what is going on in the plot overall so it's a really fascinating plot you just kind of have to dive in and go with it it can be confusing but it's totally worth it and the characters oh my gosh i care so much about these characters in ways like i kind of wish i didn't so I think this will fit that bill for you. So again, that's the Machineries of Empire series by Yoon Ha Lee. The first book is Nine Fox Gambit. All right. My second pick is Jade City by Fonda Lee, which I picked because it is very much like if the Lannisters were Asian and had less incest. And it was modern day. (laughs) So that's really less incest. Like I want to emphasize that point. And the trigger warning for child abuse also for this one. I don't remember that, but I believe you. Jen just put it in the agenda. <laughs> there's a there's like a discussion of a bad thing oh, that one of yes. the characters did. Yeah, it's not on the page, but it's also it's in there. Okay, you're right. I am recalling this now. We had this exact conversation last time I recommended this. We I know, I keep forgetting because it's not but it's like it's not a central point, but it is there. Yeah. Um, so Jade City takes place on the island of Kikon, and it follows several families who who guard the jade. And in this universe, this is like a modern or maybe even near future Asian inspired um, universe. Jade is like the lifeblood of the of these people, both economically and sort of physically, because there are people who are I wouldn't say superpower, but who are genetically predisposed to react to the presence of jade in specific ways. Like if they wear it, it makes them super fast or extra strong or, you know, makes their senses really heightened. And so these families, I don't want to call them crime families because they're not really like, when the book opens, they are not like the mob, but they are definitely families that protect their territory and get paid to do so by the business owners and people who live there. So, you know, that sounds a little familiar. Um, and when they are all genetically predisposed to have these kinds of abilities when they wear jade close to them. Uh, and so this has been going on for a while. Like these families are kind of vying for more and more uh, of a slice of the trade of jade because it's traded worldwide, but it only comes from this one um, location. And so this one island is super, super wealthy and very powerful. Um, and when people who don't have that genetic predisposition to wearing jade get around it, they can become super powered for like very brief periods of time and then they become addicted. And so while all of this is like being explained and you're getting to know these families a little bit, a new drug emerges that lets anyone predisposed or not from this island or not wear the jade and not you know, kind of lose their minds, essentially. Um, and so this really erupts this tension between these two rival families um, from, you know, kind of quieter behind the scenes political machinations to open just like gang violence in the streets. Uh, and you are following one particular family uh, as all of this is happening. And in this family, there are, you know, there's like a patriarch who is aging and kind of no longer relevant. His son, who has taken over ruling this family, and then his other siblings, um, the son's other siblings, some of whom don't want anything to do with the family and the, like, you know, privilege and esteem and wealth and, like, weird responsibility that comes with being in that family. And some of whom take it so seriously that they kind of start to mess stuff up, um, like taking violence into their own hands and doing it. So there's a lot of that kind of inter-family, like, if what you liked about Game of Thrones was, I don't know, watching Tyrion yell at Cersei ever, then this is probably <laughs> the book for you. Because it is very, like... What are you doing? Like you're, uh, you think that you're, you know, defending the family's honor and working for our house, but you're actually just ruining everything. And how could you be so like blind, ambition and etc. So I really love that. And this is, I think it's a trilogy. The second one's already out. It just came out. So that's Jade City by Fonda Lee. Yeah, love that book. 
And it's intense. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's see. It is time for our second sponsor, which is We Hunt the Flame by Hafsa Faisal. And it is sponsored by Fierce Reads. And this is a debut novel, always exciting, set in a richly detailed world inspired by ancient Arabia. It's going to be part of a duology called The Sands of Arawia. And this is about uh, two characters, Zafira, who is known as the Hunter, capital H, uh, who braves a cursed forest in order to feed her people and has become sort of a legend against her own inclinations. And then Nasser, who is the Prince of Death, also capital P, capital D, who assassinates anybody who is foolish enough to defy his father, the king. And he also would prefer not to be doing any of this, but he has no choice in the matter, just like Zafira does not really have any choices. And war is brewing in this kingdom, because of course it is. And they both independently embark on a quest to find a lost artifact that could help the stop the war and end it and bring magic back into their world. And so their missions collide. And what is going to happen next? I wonder. You will have to read it to find out. And this is getting amazing reviews. Uh, lots of buzz. Kirsten White, who's the best-selling author of And I Darken, said it should be on every fantasy fan's bookshelf. BuzzFeed has said it's filled with rich world building with stakes that will keep you at the edge of your seat. And Roshani Chakshi has said it is a sparkling debut full of mystery and magic, vivid characters, and rich language. So if you are interested in diverse fantasy, in world building, in magic, in complicated stories and discoveries and quests, this is definitely one you are going to want to look out for. So again, that's We Hunt the Flame by Hafsa Faisal. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right, let's see. My next pick is The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang, which gets trigger warnings for war crimes, including rape, genocide, and forced sterilization. Super cheerful. Um, and the reason I picked this one is because if you liked that Game of Thrones is historically inspired, right? War of the Roses. Uh, and then there's magic and dragons and whatnot. This is very similar in concept. It is inspired by the Sino-Japanese War and the Rape of Nanking, among other Asian historical influences. And But there's magic and like a lot of magic. And it also has this very, it's very violent. Everybody is morally compromised. Like it has a lot of that same feel to it. Kind of like uh, Ender's Game plus Game of Thrones, really. And so it's about a young woman named Rin who grows up like poor. She's an orphan. She is darker skinned. She is with an abusive family. And her life is pretty terrible. And then her foster parents decide they're going to marry her off to some horrible person. And she is like, okay, no, I'm not doing that. And so her only option really is to ace this test that it is run empire-wide to find the most promising candidates for uh, scholarly and military schools. And so she aces the test. She works really, really hard. She's not naturally a genius. She works incredibly hard to the point where she aces it and they don't believe, they think she must have cheated, um, but they can't prove that she did. So she gets placed at the most prestigious school that where military officers are trained. And so she goes and thinks like, okay, I've gotten out of my horrible situation. Like, Life is going to be better now. And except it's not because she is like a dark skinned orphan girl from nowhere at this elite academy. 
And so she has to work harder than anybody, you know, than almost anybody else there to prove herself. And so she does um, a, with the help of this very eccentric, like kind of always on drugs teacher who's kind of amazing. Um, and so and they're in training because the empire has been at war in the past and may go back to may have a war situation in the future. There's a very uneasy peace with the Federation of Mugen, which is across a sea. And so everybody's sort of biding their time and trying to prepare for what's probably an inevitable conflict. And then war does come and Rin has to go to war. And she is an anti-heroine. Like she does not make quote unquote good choices, but this is, nobody's making good choices in this. And there are assassins and there are betrayals and there are some politics, but you really, you're just seeing it from Rin's viewpoint. So you're really, well, that's not true. There are a couple of other narratives that sneak in here or there, but you're primarily seeing it from Rin's viewpoint. And all she knows is what's in front of her. And she can guess at the bigger picture sometimes, but really she's just having to respond to the very stark, horrible realities of war and then her own situation within that war. So it's really intense. The world building is amazing. I got so sucked into this. And when I emerged, I was like, what did I just read? Like, wow, this is a lot. It's a lot. Happily, it is the first in a series. The sequel comes out in August, so you don't have to wait too long. And I think that, again, if you like historically inspired, you like war novels, and you like an underdog in particular, like she's a little bit Arya in that sense, uh, The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang definitely needs to go on your list. Okay. Um, my next pick is Kushiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey, which is also the first in a series called Fedra's Trilogy, but there are more. Uh, books that are set in the universe, but that aren't just about her. And this is a book, a big epic fantasy series about a universe in which political houses in an empire, you're noticing a theme, are um, <laughs> vying through spies and machinations and violence for the throne. Meanwhile, the people of the North are like completely unbothered and uninvolved and are like, what is wrong with you crazy people? So that whole thing is going on, if that sounds familiar to you, or if that was a plot line that you enjoyed in Game of Thrones. The main character's name is Phaedra. She is sold into, they call it indentured servitude, slavery. It's basically slavery. She's sold into slavery as a child, and she's sold to a man named Anafiel, who is a nobleman within this world, who trains her to be a spy, because he recognizes when he sees her, because of a physical marking in her eye, that she is, I don't even know if I would call it, like, blessed by the gods of this universe to be a person who experiences pain as pleasure and vice versa. So she he trains her to be a courtesan, um, to, like, cater to the more uh, fringe, I guess, um, desires of these really wealthy, bored people, um, while also training her to be a spy. So she goes into these houses because she's very, like, her ability to essentially be a masochist is super rare in this universe. And so everybody wants to purchase her, you know, and have, like, have a night with Phaedra and all this. And he trains her to, like, while she's there, listen to what they're talking about, look around, like be observant and bring him back the information she gathers. Um, and so while the, she, while she's doing this, she gets really deeply involved in some political machinations, treason. Um, she also has a side plot line where she falls in love with, oh, I can't, rem can't remember her name. I keep wanting to say Melisandre because Game of Thrones, but that's not it. I think it is, it's Melisandre. It doesn't have an R in it, but it's basically oh. otherwise the same name. 
Okay, great. Yeah. She falls in love with a woman named Melisande who is also not, she's not a masochist. She is a sadist. And they develop this like series long love hate, hate, hate. It's a little bit killing Eve actually now that I'm thinking about it. Yes, it is a little killing Eve. You're right. Like, I don't know whether, I kind of want to root for you, but yeah, you might die. Right. Like, I don't know how that, like, uh, you just don't know how to feel about it. It's so, inter- it's just, it's just a train wreck that you can't look away from, really, yeah. which is a very compelling relationship. And so all of that is happening amidst this great political intrigue. And the religious aspects of this universe are really interesting because these, every like, the people who populate this world exist because, like, angels came to the land and were attracted to the humans and then had babies. And so, like, all these people are angel babies and have these really, like, they're all extra, extra pretty and um, have, spe- all of the houses are aligned with a specific angelic entity um it's just really fascinating so yeah so it's kashiel's dart by jacqueline carey yeah i love that series a whole Mm -hmm. lot it's like the feminist less rapey game of thrones Mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. nice um speaking of less rapey uh a spark of white fire by sangu mandana does not have any sexual assault in it whatsoever which is winner winner I know, exactly. So if the thing that you want is the political machinations and a really fascinating world to play in, and also a series, but you don't want any of the violence, or you're just tired of it, like, this is a winner. It is also in space plus magic, which is an amazing combination. So our heroine, Esme, was sent away from her royal family as a baby because of a curse and has been raised alone in obscurity in the court of another royal family. And she knows who she is, but nobody else. Uh, there's like one person who has trained her, of course, in the killing arts. Excellent. Uh, but otherwise, nobody knows who she is. But she's made friends with, you know, some people, including a prince at this court and sort of has a home. But she wants nothing more than to return to her family. And in the meanwhile, her family is embroiled in a succession battle over a throne on a different world. And there's, in addition to that, the king of Wickstar, which is where she is, has built an unbeatable warship named Titania. It's sentient, because of course it is, and (laughs) has decided to give it away to the winner of this insane competition that, like, probably nobody can win. And so she decides that the way she's going to get back to her family is to win this competition, take the warship, go to her family's rescue. They will welcome her with open arms and everything will be great. None of that is exactly how it uh, unfolds, of course. And it's really great because, first of all, Esme is so fierce and prickly and like, I'm going to do it myself because she's had nobody to rely on. And you see both the reasons for that and the ways that it fails her, which I always appreciate Like when you get that complexity. There are so many lovely, fun side characters. There, People do die that I was just like, no, don't die. Um, and she also, Esme also sees multiple sides of this conflict as she gets deeper into it. And it becomes increasingly less clear to her 
what is right. And that's, I mean, exactly sort of what happens in these political situations. If it's not like Lord of the Rings cut and dry, these are the bad guys, these are good guys, right? It's more complicated than that. And plus also, this is inspired by the Mahabharata, which is an epic Indian uh, story. And it's just like, there's so many cool cultural call outs and things that you could get into if you were interested, but you don't have to know these things to enjoy it. Like it's, it's an amazing space opera with gods and magic and a really killer heroine. And I just cannot wait for the second book. I'm dying to read the next book. Like when is it coming? I need it soon. Uh, So again, that is A Spark of White Fire, which is the first in the Celestial Trilogy by Sangu Mandana. Okay, so my next pick is The Ruin of Kings by Jen Lyons, which is fairly new. This came out in February. And the next book in the series is obviously not out yet because it, it just came out in February. And in talking about why I picked this book, I am going to talk about spoilers for Game of Thrones. So if you want to skip, like, the later seasons of the show and the later books, so I don't know, skip ahead. I'll put something in the show notes about when I'm done talking about this book so you know when to skip ahead to, but that's definitely happening. Okay, spoilers start now. So Rowan of Kings is about a young man who is raised by people who are not his family, who then discovers that he is basically Jon Snow because he is actually the long-lost bastard child of a super royal family and has to go um, get into that world and really desperately does not want to, like, does not want to get involved in any of these rich people problems and their super violence. Like, he's here to save the people he loves, but then he would love to just set everyone on fire and go home. Um, so that is his story. And when the book opens, I will trigger warning this for lots and lots of torture, like through the whole book, just just torture for days. Um, when the book opens, his name is Kieran. He has been arrested and is in prison telling his story to his jailer. And you don't know how he got there or like what he's done to end up in jail. And he immediately starts talking about how, his, how he escaped from slavery. Um, and you're like, wait, but what? <laughs> like, who are you? I thought you were like a, a thief raised in this really poor part of town how did you end up being sold into slavery what and so the rest of the book is finding out how he got there like how he got into jail how he ended up on a slave block why um how he went from being a thief who thought he was you know the child of a um what does his father do like a minstrel basically uh from there to being the son of a really influential but sadistic uh prince onto a slave ship, into jail. There's also dragons. There's a big dragon on the cover. So, like, the hint is there. There's There are dragons, and there are, of course, you know, houses that are battling each other for control. The emperor in this world is really interesting because he, I mean, he is super powerful, and he's, you know, emperor of this universe. But he also has a job. Like, he is, He's. it's not inherited. The emperor seat isn't inheritable. Um, every time the emperor dies, a sword appears in the middle of this arena, and then whoever wants to be emperor has to, like, go fight everyone else who wants to be emperor, and, like, last man standing wins, and that's it. <laughs> and so, and then that person's job is to defend the realm from demons as they come. And so um, the treachery and the treason that's involved in this universe is about overthrowing the emperor and bringing demons to, like, march through the realm so some evil dude can be in charge. Uh, and Kieran is like... <laughs> Do I have to, though? Like, that sucks. But do I, could I just not? Like, he's very, you know, nothing, Kieran. And I, I love him. I, Jon Snow is a little bit obnoxious to me. Um, but he also has that just puppy dog. Like, I didn't ask for this. I just want to, like, drink a beer in the north. Why am I even here? Kind of thing going on. And that's exactly how Kieran is in this book. So that's The Ruin of Kings by Jen Lyons. 
spoilers over. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay, let's see. So the next books I want to talk about are the Inheritance Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin, which I know you have probably heard us talk about before. But again, if you've been waiting on these, like this is your chance to get into one of my favorite of her series, which is saying, I mean, I love all of her stuff. Um, these were the second ones I read. And it is it is such amazing world building and the political situation has such high stakes, not because, well, yes, because literally it will change the world, like who ends up on the throne in this one, but also because the personal stakes are so high. And I know that sounds silly, but sometimes it feels like with these political machinations books, like all that matters is the throne and not so much like the personal stakes of it, like they just want the power, but like this is not that. So the first one starts with Yana Dar, and I, there is an omnibus edition of this that's just called the Inheritance Trilogy. It includes the Hundred Thousand Kingdoms, Broken Kingdoms, and Kingdom of the Gods. So the first one, Hundred Thousand Kingdoms, starts with Yana, who is the daughter of a princess, but who the this princess like you know, basically ran away from home, married somebody in the far north and wants nothing to do with the main royal ruling family. And Yena has grown up in the north as part of this, like, quote unquote, like they are considered by barbarians. And she is happy. She's been trained to be like a warrior and she's good at it. And she feels like she's, you know, fulfilling her duties to her mother and her her culture and her tribe, as it were. And then the emperor of the bigger system is ailing and sends for her because she is his granddaughter. And she knows that he doesn't want her to get the throne. Like, she is literally just there to annoy his other possible successors, a young man and woman who are the worst, the worst. Oh my God, they're terrible. Um, and she, like, they're basically going to kill her on site if they can. And she knows all this going in. She's like, there's, there's nothing here. Like, I, nobody, nobody wants me to do this. Nobody wants me to survive this. I am just here to provide impetus to these other people to, like, get their, butts in gear and prove which one of them is going to take the throne. But she's not going to take it lying down. She's going to fight. It's all very complicated because this family, the ruling family, also has enslaved some gods to do their bidding, which is terrifying. And Yena has to contend with that as well, which she does in a really amazing fashion. There's some really weird god sex, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, at the end of this book, I can't, I don't want to tell you, but, like, it is not, I was like, what? It just, it just, it goes in this direction that I was not at all expecting. It's really kind of amazing. And then the second book is actually a little bit of a rewind in that you find out how these gods came to be enslaved in the first place and you get their backstory plus a new story moving forward. And it's so interesting and weird and unexpected and the world building is so original and it's not it's it's really not like anything else except in that it is a sort of medieval world with magic and fantasy and politics in that sense it is like game of thrones but really it is sort of a singular reading experience to me and i think it's really interesting and 
you don't get this sort of like panoramic view that you get with Game of Thrones where you have all these different narrators and you know all of these different things and you spend like a little bit of time with everybody. These are much more of a deep dive into a specific character's situation, but you still get to see the world unfold through them. And it's so well done and so weird. It's so weird, y'all. Like It's really, really weird, um, but in the best possible way. So that is the Inheritance Trilogy by N.K. Jemison. All right. My last pick is The Tiger's Daughter by Kay Arsenault Rivera. And I will trigger warning this also for torture. Again, all the kind of torture them. Um, and homophobia. So this is an epic fantasy series that is take place, that is take place, takes place in, in an Asian inspired universe. Um, and the two main characters, one of them is a, Shafali, is a, a warrior from the Koran. And these are the people who are based on like Mongolian steppe, um, folks who, what's the word, nomadic tribes of, like, warrior people, uh, Shafali and the Empress, um, whose name is uh, Shizuka, and their relationship. They are prophesied from birth to have, you know, their destinies intertwined. Their mothers were best friends, also warriors. Um, and they meet as young girls and then grow up together into, you know, into their destinies, I guess. I don't know what's to put that. Um, and they also fall in love. And so as the first book goes on and they are growing, you're starting to realize that this empire has a lot of problems. So the empire is very um, colonial, like it's very much taking over neighboring kingdoms. And while they're doing that and focusing on, and the emperor's focused on, you know, getting richer and oppressing his people, basically, um, the borders are being invaded by demons. And maybe there's like a shadow demon night king kind of figure in the background pulling these strings, taking advantage of the political weak moment to... Send demons into, is this sounding familiar? Send his people over walls into like this weak empire to take advantage of what's going on. Um, and these two, you know, warrior women are, have been brought up to, um, defend the kingdom essentially from this invading threat. And I will say that this is a much slower burn than Game of Thrones. Like the first book it is from their birth until I think they're like 18, maybe very, very young. Um, and it is very much about their relationship and not as like action driven as I think Game of Thrones is. Uh, and there's not as much political machinations between houses or families. It's like these two women against all comers, essentially. Um, I will also say that it is based on several different Asian cultures. It's not on voices though. The author is not Asian. So if that's something that, you know, that you like to take into consideration for your reading, then there that is. But I really enjoyed it. And I also, I feel like there needs to be more queer representation in fantasy. So. I was into it. The second one is out. I don't know if the next one after that. So that's The Tiger's Daughter by Kay Arsenault Rivera. If there's, oh, we have like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and I just it. wanted to give two quick shout outs if that's all right. One of them is to the Dandelion Dynasty series by Ken Liu, which starts with The Grace of Kings. It is, the term is silk punk. Like, again, Asian inspired fantasy, like medieval fantasy with magic and like really cool, like, parasailing kite things and bombs and two people who shouldn't get the throne but do and then how are they going to co-rule is that even possible and it's really really enjoyable and like meaty in the same way that uh game of thrones gives you all that stuff and then i started black leopard red wolf by marlon james which has been like repeatedly over and over again advertised as the african game of thrones and i made it for the first section and i will tell you that it again opens with it opens with torture 
and violence and there's like child abuse and all of the things from game of thrones are like right here um it's really intense it's really dark it's really intricate and i am reading it very slowly because of those things so i haven't finished it yet and cannot deliver like a verdict upon it but the first section is definitely like as advertised i think plus marlon james is in a really amazing complicated sentence kind of writer and so Mm -hmm. that's something that you're interested in like a more literary writing style than game of thrones has uh black leopard red wolf is worth checking out okay i'm done (laughs) that's our show hey (laughs) thank you game of thrones for being over (laughs) don't at me just uh, just i can hear you adding me (laughs) the most comments (laughs) <laughs> I've already deleted my Twitter. Can't, you just can't come yell at me about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you all for so much to list, for listening. Turn and stop saying, guys. Uh, please go leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts for us. Thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring the show. You can find us on social media. I'm on Instagram only now. Woo-hoo, at I'm Amanda Nelson and Jen. You can find me on Twitter as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, IRL, and Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>